welcome to another installment of Strange Occurrences from Horror 4H. I'm figuring out what movie we'll be riffed on next, but hopefully, until then, this can help satiate your need for the weird. As usual, all music in this episode, save for the title theme, which was written and performed by yours truly, uh, was written and performed and allowed to be used free of charge by Kevin McLeod. Also, big thanks to Brian, Josh, and Jackal for helping me keep Horror 4H running. Without their contributions, only a few episodes would be available at any time instead of the complete catalog. But because of their generosity, you can currently enjoy every episode of Horror 4H and Strange Occurrences free of charge at your leisure. If you want to help contribute to the show, head on over to patreon.com slash horror4h. You can give anything from a dollar a month to whatever you're comfortable and able to give. Before I get into this episode, I would like to say that it is common with Strange Occurrences to gain inspiration from real-life cases with major tweaks. I've done the same here, but if you want to deep dive into this topic, black triangles are a common form of UFO seen over the United States and elsewhere in the world. They occur with alarming frequency, and while the events in this episode are fictional, similar events have taken place all over the world, and funnily enough, in the area where I've chosen to set this. For more information on the inspiration for this episode, look up UFOs over Illinois, Highland, Illinois UFO, or the St. Clair Triangle, which was an incident that occurred in 2000, not far from where I was born and raised. As, as always, nothing in this episode is real, save for a few places, and any names or situations resembling real people is completely unintentional. So sit back, have a hard time relaxing, and don't look up at the sky. You may not like what you see. Given recent news regarding UFOs, or UAPs as the government has begun to call them, perhaps the phenomena has become more lackluster. But we here at Strange Occurrences still find unexplainable things in the sky to be at least mildly disturbing. In that vein, we have investigated and are bringing to you Strange Occurrence of the Black Triangles. UFOs, as we will be referring to the phenomenon, have existed for likely as long as human beings have been around. There have always been things in the sky that we have not been able to explain. This, in and of itself, does not mean there are alien beings watching us or interfering with our lives, but sometimes in history, there have been sightings by so many reliable witnesses and equipment that it makes you wonder. July 1990 in southern Illinois was relatively the same as the July before, and the same as the July before that. Nothing of note had happened in the weeks leading up to the incident, at least nothing that would indicate that the population of the region should keep their gaze skyward. For the most part, July 22nd was the same as the day before. There was a solar eclipse that day, but it was not visible from the majority of the United States, and certainly not at all from the region focused on herein. Many of the residents of southern Illinois had a fairly decent day. Many went to church that morning, and many had a nice day spent outdoors as the weather was relatively clear and warm, but not too hot. Just warm enough to grill out, enjoy some beers, and bask in the outdoors. Perhaps because of the weather, that's why so many people were outside later in the evening, and why so many saw what would later be known as the Black Triangles. The first report of something strange came in just before 9 p.m. and was reported not in Illinois, but near the border of Illinois and Missouri, near St. Louis Lambert International Airport. The sighting came from a baggage handler, one Stephen Lansing, then 22. He was taking a smoke break and happened to be looking around the skies, as he said he often did while working at the airport, and noticed the absence of light in an area of sky northwest of the airport that should have had visible stars. In his report to his higher-ups, he stated that, quote, I wasn't too concerned until I realized whatever there was was moving, because some stars suddenly appeared, and others blinked out. I thought maybe a plane's lights had malfunctioned and was worried, end quote. His sighting was reported to the tower, and the staff started looking with eyes and radar at the area. There were no scheduled flights in the region of the sky where the darkness was. Radar reportedly showed nothing at all. However, 
all visual indicators were that there was something there. Something quite large. Air traffic controllers began to scramble at the idea that perhaps there was a vehicle in the sky that could pose a danger to other planes in the area, and records from the time show that within 10 minutes after Lansing saw something, the airport was in contact with nearby Scott Air Force Base in southern Illinois. The base told them that there was no military aircraft in that area, and that their radar was also showing no signs and advised them to clear any scheduled traffic in that area while more information was gathered. From the ground and tower, it was impossible for anyone to get a solid read on how big or fast the object was moving. Some members of staff later said that they believed the object to be a half mile or larger across, considering that currently the largest aircraft to exist is just shy of 300 feet, this would be an impossibly large craft. Most estimates of speed at this time were only a few hundred miles per hour, though these are unreliable given that the exact location could not be determined, and without proper distance and size known, speed is merely a guess. However, if these estimates are even close to correct, that would be far too slow for any known aircraft other than a helicopter or gliders to remain in flight. Combine that with the proposed size of the object, and it quickly becomes clear that nothing added up, and that this was not something that could be easily explained away. Perhaps the strangest part of it all took place 20 minutes after Lansing's original sighting. The small but highly focused group who was keeping an eye on the possible craft all reported something similar. A muted flash from the area, followed by fully clear skies, as if the craft simply vanished. One of the airport workers, a Sarah Beth Halloway, then 29, went on record and told the press after the incident began to gather some public notice that she swore she saw not only the muted flash, but another bright flash at some distance into space at almost the exact same moment, but just after the initial muted flash, indicating to her that the craft had, quote, sped up to an almost impossible speed and flown from the atmosphere into space in less than one second, end quote. Her account was the only one to relay this particular detail. To most involved up to that point, that was the end of the incident, a strange event that lasted just under 30 minutes, a black moving patch in the sky. Before anyone could even begin to really assess the situation and determine what may have happened, more reports began to come in. Another, or perhaps the same craft, was reported. This time, the report came from a resident of a small town approximately 50 miles southeast of St. Louis. A Mrs. Ruby Johnson, age 61, was watching TV when she heard a small commotion outside. She and her husband kept chickens and rabbits, and had to keep an ear and eye out for coyotes and foxes and other predatory animals. Their chickens and one of their dogs began to make a lot of noise, and so Ruby made her way outside with a rifle to scare off any potential predators from eating their animals. When she got closer to the chicken coop, the noise began to settle down, and that's when she said she noticed their border collie, Patton, quote, staring into the sky like he saw the biggest bone in the world, end quote. She followed his gaze and saw a stunning lack of anything. She almost chalked the whole thing up to just patting smelling something and riling up the chickens until he howled at the sky loudly. Quote, he'd bark, sure, but Patton didn't howl much, and that howl was sorrowful and scared. Darn near gave me a heart attack. End quote. She tried to calm him down before looking back at the sky and realizing that the dark patch Patton had been staring at was moving and that it wasn't just cloud cover. Something physical was there, blocking the stars, and it was huge and triangular. Mrs. Johnson went inside taking Patton and woke her husband, James, and had him go outside to check as well. 
When he confirmed what she saw, the two called the police and filed a report. Officer Stan Yarrow was near enough their residence that when he heard the report over the radio, he drove a bit down the road and got out and looked in the direction the couple had said the craft was at. Officer Yarrow radioed in that he had eyes on the craft, and within a few minutes, another officer, Grant Noonan, confirmed Yarrow's sighting. Through the Freedom of Information Act, other investigators have uncovered the logs of that evening and strange occurrences thanks to those researchers for their efforts. Because of them, we know that shortly after Officer Noonan's confirmation, dispatch contacted Scott Air Force Base and had a brief exchange with a few people there. The incident in St. Louis was also mentioned. During the contact between the Greece Police Department and Scott Air Force Base, dispatch was alerted by Officer Yarrow and Noonan that the craft had vanished in a small flash of light. Based on the speed and direction of both the crafts that had been observed, Officer Yarrow took this initiative and contacted a friend he had in Sproughton, Illinois, another 40 or so miles southeast of Greece, Illinois. This friend remains anonymous, but within 15 minutes of them being contacted, a call was placed to the Briarsville Police Department. Briarsville, Illinois is approximately 30 miles directly east of Sproughton. This call was anonymous, but the caller stated that a large triangular black craft was flying low and slow just northwest of Briarsville. Dispatch of Briarsville also eventually contacted Scott Air Force Base, and this is when the event ceases to simply be a strange anomaly in the sky that affected a few people and became something that the federal government was involved in. Scott Air Force Base, having received multiple reports from Lambert International and various police departments across southern Illinois, scrambled a small detachment of the F-15 variants to determine the threat of the triangles. Official records reported as a training exercise, and the government has denied any involvement beyond a nighttime training mission for its pilots. As such, no official information on their flight that night is available to the public. Before the jets could be fully readied, the triangle near Briarsville disappeared in the same muted flash as the other crafts, or possibly as it had done previously. Unsurprisingly at this point, another craft, or perhaps the same one, appeared again. This time, though, instead of moving further south and east, it moved a bit north, but did continue on its easterly course, appearing near Bluebell, Illinois. Bluebell sits extremely close to the border with Indiana, and this represented a large jump of distance east. The craft was reported by several people in the area west of Bluebell, and a few local police departments sent out cars to track the craft. Strange occurrences will not detail each sighting at this point, as they number in the dozens. Most of the accounts are extremely similar to the previous ones, though, all focusing on the largeness of the craft, its shape, triangular, the lack of noise emitting from it, the slowness of the speed, and disturbances among local wildlife, the latter of which was split fairly evenly between a complete lack of noise from insects and wildlife or a raucous amount of noise that seemed to indicate animals were experiencing distress. This seemingly affected cats, dogs, cattle, deer, insects, foxes, rabbits, chickens, pigs, and more. One hospitalization reportedly occurred from the incident as well. Teresa Gehring, then seven years old, was reportedly outside with her father, Frank Gehring, frog hunting around a creek near Bluebell, when they both noticed a sudden lack of noise coming from the surrounding area. According to Frank, his daughter was the first to notice the craft. Quote, she just sort of froze up and kept staring towards the sky. I couldn't shake her out of the staring and looked up and saw something. I can't rightly say what it was. It was big, black, and looked like a triangle. It covered up almost the whole sky from where we were." End quote. After a few minutes of being unable to rouse his daughter, Frank picked her up and ran back to his truck to drive her to the nearest hospital a few towns over. She made a full recovery within a day and was said to have been suffering from cardiogenic shock, meaning the young girl likely suffered a small but life-threatening heart attack. 
She later said she had no memory of it all and remembered going to the creek and then waking up in a bed in the hospital. Both her and her father also suffered from a bad rash, fatigue, and nausea, things that are consistent with short exposure to high levels of radiation, which could have contributed to Teresa's cardiac condition as well. Neither seems to have suffered any long-term effects from the encounter. They are the only people to have suffered any physical symptoms from the incident, though others claim to have had bad dreams and other psychological effects from it. We at Strange Occurrences, without wanting to speculate much, simply wonder and pose the question if these two people had such a different and stronger reaction to the craft due to their proximity to it. Everyone else who witnessed it did so from a fairly large distance, while Frank and Teresa were both almost directly underneath the craft. One witness, who remains anonymous but was from the Bluebell area, told a newspaper they witnessed the jets approaching the craft at rapid speed shortly before the craft disappeared. Unlike the previous disappearances, this flash was much brighter and caused the witness to shield their eyes and look away. They said that, quote, it was as bright as a hot summer day at noon, end quote, for a moment or two before it vanished, and the jets continued on their way. Again, no official statement from the government beyond it being a training exercise exists, and when pressed, the military has stated that any witnessing of the crafts were likely a, quote, misidentification of cloud cover or other natural phenomenon, end quote. What really happened on the night of July 22, 1990, in the skies over southern Illinois, will likely never be fully understood. Crafts from an alien species seem to be the consensus among those concerned. However, it being a military experiment gone wrong also is high among the possible explanations from those interested in it. Though, if that were the case, then why were the fighters scrambled? Perhaps it was a craft from a foreign power testing new capabilities over American airspace. Regardless, the U.S. government admits nothing and denies everything, which is par for the course in regards to UFOs, or as they are now referred to, UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. While we likely won't ever know the real truth of the matter, the incident is entered into the public record and documented. Aliens, government aircraft, or strange natural phenomena. Ultimately, it's left up to each listener to determine that for themselves. In the end, it's simply a strange occurrence.